0: Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out KetoReset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at KetoReset.com. Hi, listeners. It's Brad Kearns with another keto show. Yes, we have many, many questions. Thank you, listeners, for participating in the show and writing in to info at ketoreset.com. Especially happy to hear the wonderful feedback about the Keto Reset Mastery Course and how it's helping so many people. We tried so hard to make something that was comprehensive and was giving you every single thing you need to succeed with the journey as outlined in the Keto Reset Diet. So uh, go over and visit ketoreset.com. You can see what the course is all about. And if you haven't signed up, it's really time to sign up and get it going and get some guidance, do it right. We're also getting a lot of commentary, uh, not just directly, but uh, across the, uh, the internet, in the uh, keto scene in general, of people that are struggling, suffering, and failing, and uh, bombing out, and a lot of it seems to be due to a flawed approach, particularly being impatient with the process and doing something that is not naturally meant to be. Uh, I'm also seeing some patterns and trends uh, talking to people uh, who are maybe unwilling to make the sincere commitment necessary, because we have too much influence of comfortable modern world where We're allowed to eat anything we want anytime. We have ready access to it. We have people making quips and pot shots and uh, thinly veiled uh, jealous comments or comments designed to uh, make you feel uh, criticized or uncomfortable due to your dietary commitments. So there's all this noise going on and it gets in the way of Uh, making a commitment and behaving in a manner uh, congruent with your uh, stated goals and commitments. So in other words, we say, yeah, I'm going keto, but, oh, when I go to this party, uh, I'm so tempted, I'm going to have to try some of the creme brulee. I don't want to hurt the host's feelings, or I want to relax after a busy, stressful week and not worry about keto. So even our own message is confusing, I'm realizing, because we are taking great pains to advocate a reasonable, sensible approach rather than a regimented approach or an orthorexic approach, which is the term for an unhealthy fixation on doing things correctly. And we see that very commonly in the diet and fitness space, where you get the extreme enthusiasts, the type AAA. Uh, peak performer who's so motivated and disciplined and will do whatever it takes to succeed with their goals, but in the process lives a high stress life because of the mindset, the extreme fixation on doing things correctly makes it difficult to go with the flow, which is a necessary factor for living a healthy, happy life sometimes. Uh, But for those of us uh, kind of reflecting on whether we're uh, landing in the aforementioned category of maybe not being as tight with our commitments as we could be. Oh man, I'm reflecting on some recent conversations and research that I'm doing for uh, the book that Mark and I are writing uh, about Keto for Longevity uh, and uh, a great show coming up with Tippi Wyatt. Check her out on YouTube, Tippy Tales. Check her out on Instagram. And she's very fit healthy, energetic, vibrant person uh, deep into the keto thing. And some of the commentary she had on our podcast was really memorable uh, regarding this topic. And she's in favor of getting shit done and being focused and no-nonsense approach. She engages in friendly wagering with People close to her, including her husband. So she has a bet with her husband and some of her best friends about who can get the best physique changes in a distinct uh, amount of time, sort of like a boot camp contest with big bucks on the line, 50 bucks or something, uh, but uh, bragging rights and taking pictures and looking at those abs popping out uh, more and more each week. And if you check her out on Instagram, you'll see that she's already extremely fit and in great shape, but she is still focused and devoted to these goals, and these are what's driving her forward. And wow, it's, you know, it's something to reflect upon because we have so many people who uh, have tried and tried and tried and can't attain the goals that they want. Also, Brian, the guy who masters these recordings, ha- has had a wonderful run with keto and a very easygoing, comfortable, no-nonsense approach, or he has no problem adhering to strict keto for, what is it now, Brian, like two and a half years running uh, with occasional departures, of course, for getting married and having some wedding cake and things like that. Uh, But his no-nonsense approach boils down to just making a decision that he's gonna eat keto-aligned meals and not avail any other choices uh, to strain his willpower or create decision-making fatigue. Uh, My analogy is when you're on the airplane and you have a severe peanut allergy where you go into shock and have to carry the EpiPen with you, you know, that category of people. There's quite a few of them, actually. And so when the flight attendant dangles a bag of peanuts in front of you and you have a severe peanut allergy, you don't have to make a choice. You don't have to go, uh, well, I have had a rough week. Those really do look good. Let me think about it. No, you just say, no, thank you. And please keep that at least three feet away from me so I don't get the the peanut fumes into my system, right? So if you have a severe allergy, you no longer have that as one of your choices in life. And that makes it very easy for you to avoid peanuts. The pain and suffering of consuming a peanut is vastly worse than whatever pleasure you get from uh, uh, biting on the peanut and and tasting it in your mouth and swallowing it. So if someone like Brian's saying, hey, I don't eat things that aren't keto, and oh, by the way, uh, if you have trouble getting started, this is Brian's suggestion, just eat the same thing every day for a few weeks until you build some true momentum uh, with your keto journey. Hey, that's pretty simple advice, but it has a profound ability to help you escape this trap of setting goals and failing to adhere to the stated goal. And boy, does that create a lot of pain and suffering and negative momentum where you start out uh, future goals worse and worse off because you know that you're a slacker and don't have that confidence and don't have that resolve. So how about eating the same thing every day? Yeah, two hard-boiled eggs with a tablespoon of Primal Kitchen mayo, a handful of walnuts, a tablespoon of sun-dried tomatoes, and a bunch of real salt sprinkled on top. That's your morning breakfast egg and walnut bowl. It's delicious. And then you have a salad for lunch, and then you have salmon or steak for dinner with broccoli, Brussels sprouts, or kale, and you have some macadamia nuts for a snack and several squares of dark chocolate. And that's your day. And you do it every single day for three weeks and you're keto. And you know exactly what your macros are from what I just described. I hope that's keto, what I just described. I think it pretty much is. Uh, But once you build the momentum, then you can open yourself up to more choices and more indulgences and just widening your keto scope. But this should not be an easy thing to adhere to because the foods are so delicious. But I see a lot of people with a flawed approach that can be easily alleviated just by simplifying narrowly focusing, taking a page from Tippy and saying, hey, let's throw down. Let's put some bets on this. You think you can do it? Let's go. Let's compete. Let's get our competitive instinct out and make it simple and straightforward, choosing the same thing every day, or just not allowing yourself any options that aren't keto for a while, like Brian. Okay, peoples, how's that? Here's some commentary I jotted down that I thought I might read uh, during the podcast. And might be an excerpt from the Keto Reset Diet, not sure, but it's entitled, What to Do When You Fail at Keto. So we'll get some practical advice here, some inspiration if you are struggling or are sitting here on the sidelines bombed out and see if we can right the ship and have some great progress going forward. So first thing to do is don't stress about it. Don't get discouraged. Don't feel down on yourself. Man, I gave this advice to my kids when they were growing up many times with great emphasis. Do not allow yourself to get discouraged ever. Feeling discouraged is a way to be sure that you're going to fail in the future. You're allowed to feel many things. You can feel angry, frustrated, uh, disillusioned. Uh, doing some soul searching, wondering if this medical school track is right for you, deciding whether you should quit. Of course, it's okay to quit. I told my kids that all the time, unlike most other hard-headed parents who for some reason conjure up this thing like it's the gospel where you don't quit anything. Are you freaking kidding me? Of course you quit stupid shit that you don't like and aren't having fun with and is not going to make you a better person. So go ahead, quit, guys, if you don't like something. Figure it out. And then if you're struggling something and you want to quit, yeah, then you can have a a nice choice, heart-to-heart talk with your parent about persevering and all that things. But to take quitting off the table as an aside, I think that's ridiculous. (laughs) Okay. Uh, What were we talking about? Yeah. So don't stress it and don't get discouraged. There's always another emotion and another mindset you can adopt besides feeling discouraged. Uh, Okay. You're not going to be discouraged. You're going to feel hopeful that what you've just had is a learning experience. All failure can be redirected into a positive learning experience. So resolve to learn from your mistakes and become more aware and resilient in the future. The word failure is an attention-getting title For This passage, but departures from dietary goals do not have to be seen as failures, but rather opportunities for learning and growth. What you should do is debrief carefully what went wrong. What can you do to change things in the future? devise an action plan so you can avoid those mistakes and carry on with more confidence and focus than ever because you've been there and done that. You've already bombed out from not putting enough sodium onto your foods like I did the first time I tried keto. So now you know you're not going to make that same mistake. You're going to be much better off for your failures of all forms in life, including career failures, athletic failures, all those things that you learn from and become more focused and resilient in the future. Okay, so after the smoke clears and you take the baby steps to recalibrate to your fat and keto adapted baseline, you can analyze what lifestyle circumstances influence the departure from your best laid plans what happened when you backslid into carbohydrate binges, whether it was a single sitting or a whole year of uh, bombing out of keto, and whether these indulgences and departures were truly worth it? Then, with heightened awareness of your behavior patterns, you can build more natural, healthy resolve to stay primal aligned in the future or keto aligned or whatever your goal is. You absorb the lessons offered. Accept that you're not perfect, let it go, and brandish your weapon once again by engaging in intermittent fasting, a fasted workout, or a sustained pattern of high-fat, moderate protein, low-carb meals in succession. This easygoing, accepting mindset is in sharp contrast to the negativity mindsets and self-destructive behaviors of the failed dieter. Here, departures from the plan result in self-loathing or getting discouraged, as I talked about earlier. The adoption of flimsy negative motivators like anger and self-punishment have a high likelihood of continuing the roller coaster pattern of strict adherence to some edict or some diet Followed by rebellious detours that are a natural human reaction to the pressure and tension of negative motivators. Uh, Lindsay Taylor on one of our earlier shows talks about the difference between extrinsic motivators and intrinsic motivators. Intrinsic meaning internal motivators, that you're going keto because you want to feel better and protect your health and eliminate disease risks and look better, uh, feel better about yourself as opposed to extrinsic motivators like doing the tippy challenge with her friends or wanting to look good on your social media accounts uh, pictured in a bathing suit and getting more likes and all those things, which serve to motivate you. It's not to say they're wrong or they're bad, but they're not as powerful or as resilient as intrinsic motivators. So I'm going to conclude that it's probably best to have both forms of motivators as you're pursuing any type of peak performance life goal. Uh, The medical student who's going through the arduous journey of medical school and residency is going to be motivated to care for others and honor the Hippocratic Oath and dedicate their life to their patients. But also there's some incentives about uh, making a comfortable living and uh, getting named to the uh, advisory board or the chief of staff or whatever uh, peak performance goals a physician might have in mind as they're pursuing the high ideals of a career in medicine, okay? So it's okay to have both, but we definitely want to have some intrinsic motivators to balance uh, the stuff that's entirely extrinsic that can get you easily discouraged and uh, dissuaded and diverted. How's that sound? Okay. We can get to some questions, but I also thought I might give you an update on my keto journey. I've made some such recordings in the past, and what's going on lately is a lot of uh, fractal, spontaneous, intuitive behavior. Maybe this is just the way I roll as a person, and it might not be for everyone, uh, but I am feeling very comfortable with a less- a uh, stressful approach to keto than, let's say, my initial exposure where I was testing my blood every day in the name of research and development for writing a book on the subject and wanting to have all aspects covered and uh, plenty of feedback and data to uh, provide commentary on. So today, I'm mostly worried about how I feel and how I perform rather than tracking numbers or macronutrient values. So sick of that from creating the charts for the book that maybe I'll never have to do ever again. How many grams in this? How many grams in that? Of course, probably a very important initial step to get your knowledge base high as to the relative uh, carbohydrate content, especially uh, of the various foods that you eat, but long-term seems like a true chore and a a tedious, unnecessary waste of time every single day. So instead, I'm trying to focus on how I feel, especially how I recover from ambitious workouts and peak performance athletic events. And so what I'm discovering is my total caloric intake and thereby my carbohydrate intake uh, fluctuates according to uh, the patterns of my exercise. So when I'm not doing much exercise on a particular day, I'm very likely eating uh, in the keto macronutrient category, uh, spending a lot of time fasting because I don't require a lot of caloric energy to sit at my desk or travel on an airplane long distance, things like that, and getting all those protective benefits, the cellular repair, autophagy, and apoptosis, things that are upregulated when you're fasting or when you're in a keto-aligned pattern. Uh, But at other times when I'm very busy and performing these ambitious workouts. I'm noticing that intuitively, I'm going into uh, an increased carbohydrate intake mode. This can include popcorn binges in the evening with plenty of butter and salt, and also olive oil on there. I like making sweet potato discs in the oven. Very difficult recipe to perfect. Uh, add some melted butter on top afterward, and then generally eating larger meals, having that super nutrition green smoothie in the morning that I present on YouTube. You can search for Brad Kern's super nutrition green smoothie. But everything is pretty spontaneous. There's no distinct pattern. It's all what I feel like doing or whatever circumstance, environment I'm in. If I'm around people, like uh, visiting a large family gathering, Uh, I will make a fabulous omelet in the morning and a big old green smoothie uh, and some bacon and who knows, maybe some uh, fresh pomegranates that I harvest from cutting them open and doing it the real way rather than buying them in a little plastic tub. And that's a lot of morning calories. And when I do have these large meals, they will typically pair with long times of fasting or... Uh, minimal calorie meals on the heels of those. So this is a distinct departure from uh, one segment of my journey where I was pretty much not eating any food until 12 or 1 p.m. every single day and then starting the day with a big-ass salad or another uh, good dose of healthy, nutritious calories and then carrying on from there, uh, having that uh, compressed time window So those days still exist, fasting until midday and then eating keto-aligned meals and carrying on. And then other days exist where I might have the giant super nutrition green smoothie. Maybe I'm consuming overall more calories that day to pair with ambitious workouts such as a full round of speed golf that's a hard uh, run of about 50 minutes, or some of the high-intensity strength training and sprint workouts that I'm doing will avail increased caloric intake over the ensuing 24 to 36 hours. And there is some healthy debate on this subject. Uh, Many people believe that you can maintain uh, strict adherence to nutritional ketosis and still perform Uh, these uh, ambitious, explosive, high glycolytic workouts and recover very well. We know that keto has a protein-sparing effect and that when you devote yourself to uh, long-term low-carbohydrate intake, you are in glycogen-sparing mode, so you don't have to uh, inhale the recovery uh, meals and drinks that we've been taught to do for so long. We also know that individual results may vary and will vary. And I was speculating for a while that I was one of those people that maybe needed to uh, consider the targeted or the athletic ketogenic approach where you bump up the carb intake and bump up the calories uh, in conjunction with these ambitious workouts. Because what was happening for me was I was adhering to strict keto. I was performing a high-intensity sprint workout very successfully feeling great, continuing to fast for a few hours after that, and then going into my string of keto-aligned meals. And then on several occasions, like 24 to 36 hours later, I kind of felt wiped out, like I'd been through uh, more stress than... Uh, I, I feel more stressed than I should have been just from uh, eating healthy and doing a sprint workout. So that experiment of increasing overall caloric intake in the ensuing 24 to 36 hours after a high-intensity sprint workout, starting the day with a super nutrition green smoothie with all the potions and powders and targeted performance aids in there, like my ancestral supplements, containing an assortment of organ meats, beef heart, beef lung, all that great stuff in capsule form. So everything's going into this powerful smoothie and that's uh, sustaining me and giving me the nutrition that I need. Uh, so it's an ongoing experiment. I just want to uh, share with you what I've been trying, not to recommend that you try the exact same thing, but that you keep your mind open and experiment with different approaches, especially when the uh, workout equation comes into play. Uh, and this is where we have this uh, uh, distinct fork in the road uh, depending on the nature of your metabolic flexibility currently and your uh, most prominent goals. So if you're trying to drop excess body fat, the quickest and most sure route to success will be keto and availing yourself to the highest level of metabolic flexibility. So you're an awesome fat burner around the clock. You can Take or leave regular meals, and your body won't even know the difference. As Mark Sisson says, you can have your next meal off your plate or off your button thighs, your choice. So, that wonderful uh, byproduct of metabolic flexibility that is being able to target and achieve and maintain your ideal body composition uh, is of great interest to uh, the vast majority of keto enthusiasts, I would speculate. Uh, That's why most people are in this game is because they want to get this uh, excess body fat issue handled once and for all, as well as all the things that go along with that, the stabilization of appetite, mood, energy levels, cognitive function, all that great stuff of being metabolically flexible through uh, the practice of keto as the ultimate expression of uh, metabolic flexibility. So that's great. And if that's your challenge, that's your Main goal, um, it's pretty simple. You dial back carbohydrate intake, you minimize insulin production, and you allow fat-burning genes to become upregulated, to become prominent, and that becomes your primary energy source rather than uh, regular meals of carbohydrate. And most of us in modern life are coming from Uh, some level of dysfunction and carbohydrate dependency uh, from decades of eating the standard American diet. So there's some important caveats here that are coming to the forefront now. Uh, Dr. Tommy Wood had a great impression on me when he detailed this at length on our podcast, two podcasts on the Get Over Yourself channel. So listen to those uh, when they publish Uh, in late 2018, early 2019. Listen to all the shows on the Get Over Yourself channel. It's a great podcast, having fun broadening the scope uh, beyond talking about keto or endurance training like I do on these channels for the most part. Uh, But Dr. Tommy said that um, first, you have to become metabolically healthy before you consider a goal like reducing excess body fat. Wow, pretty heavy. So if you have thyroid trouble or adrenal dysfunction or gut dysfunction, leaky gut syndrome, uh, things going wrong that are affecting your energy level and your health in day-to-day life, first you have to address those and get those all dialed in before you even consider adding the additionally stressful element of creating a caloric deficit to drop excess body fat. people seem to forget that and proceed plunge into keto with metabolic dysfunction, gut dysfunction, adrenal fatigue, thyroid dysfunction. And then of course, bomb out because keto can be very stressful if you're not a healthy person that can unlock your fat stores and burn them smoothly and efficiently. And when you have leaky gut, inflammation, uh, autoimmune conditions, things like that, that are cooking up, um, why even bother with a, uh, a weight loss journey until you can feel great in daily life? And sometimes feeling great and transitioning away from carb dependency into that fat and keto adapted state entails consuming uh, healthy amounts of uh, high satiety nutrient dense meals, uh, emphasizing fats, of course. So when we transition away from carbohydrate dependency, the first and foremost goal is to never backslide and never go back to those dark days ever again. And if that entails eating a six-egg omelet every morning, piled high with avocado and salsa and melted cheese and a bunch of vegetables inside and bacon, hey, that's great. And that's uh, me coming to you from the heart, because when I transitioned away from my typical pattern of high-carbohydrate intake, and I was a high-calorie burner my entire life. So 10 years ago, 2008, uh, when I first got going with Mark Sisson and we started working on the Primal Blueprint book and lifestyle movement grand project, uh, I quit Grains and Sugars Cold Turkey and transitioned over into the Primal-style eating pattern. Uh, And it was pretty difficult at first because I was used to having a giant bowl of cereal. Some people saw the size of my bowl and called it a trough uh, every single day, especially dating back to my days as a triathlete when I was force-feeding myself to get enough calories in to perform the workouts every day. But I always started my day with this big bowl of cereal and enjoyed the various different granolas and fresh fruit and piles of yogurt and bananas And this thing, however many calories and however many carbs that delivered, I could not live without it. And if I did not eat by 10 a.m., I was feeling uh, dizzy and out of sorts because I was so dependent on large doses of carbohydrates to fuel my daily energy. So my transition over to Primal entailed swapping out that giant bowl of cereal for a giant five or six egg omelet with all the aforementioned fixins. So I was getting a ton of calories, uh, plenty to burn without needing to tap into body fat stores. So I wasn't in weight loss mode. I was just in transition mode to become uh, metabolically more healthy, ditching carb dependency and becoming good at burning fat. It just so happened that uh, getting good at burning fat entailed consuming a lot of uh, dietary fat rather than later on. And I would say it took me a while. It took me many months to feel comfortable in the morning to where I didn't really need the omelet. I felt fine, maybe had a smaller omelet or a couple eggs, or could start into the uh, advanced practice of intermittent fasting and waiting till midday to eat my first meal, thereby burning my stored body fat rather than the ingested fat. But it's a step-by-step process that you want to proceed with very carefully because the Uh, uh, The default, the spit out point where you land when you screw up is in that stress hormone bath where your body uh, plunges into fight or flight mode because caloric restriction or carbohydrate restriction and or carbohydrate restriction is perceived as a life or death event by the body makes sense, right? From a genetic perspective, running out of energy, (laughs) running the tank empty when you might not have had any food in a while, or you need to run from a predator, the classic example is no bueno. So what happens when your body is deprived of its usual energy source, its usual primary energy source of glucose from dietary carbohydrate, what happens is the fight or flight response kicks in, including the prominent feature process of that called gluconeogenesis. This is uh, the conversion of lean muscle tissue into glucose for quick energy. That's a fundamental component of the fight or flight response. So if you're not getting your carbs from your diet, you will get the sugar you need to brain and muscles by catabolizing your body. And this is a, a wonderful mechanism to uh, support peak performance in times of crisis. Uh, And you might reference times in your life in a prolonged personal crisis where you wake up, you're kind of wired, you're not hungry, you're running on fumes, you're going, you're going. And of course, you're heading to crash and burn at some point when the fight or flight mechanisms become exhausted from prolonged use rather than occasional use as to which they're designed for. So if you go keto when you're not prepared, you will simply make your own sugar to continue uh, to sustain your carbohydrate dependency ways. And it's a tough road to go because what happens is you eventually crash and burn. You might feel great for a while. A lot of keto enthusiasts bomb out at the three-week mark because they have a little resolve and willpower out of the gate and things are going okay. They're feeling good. Might even lose some weight from Uh, the reduction in inflammation and water retention throughout the body from ditching those inflammatory foods, namely grains and sugars. And then all of a sudden, right around week three, uh, things start to bomb out because the fight or flight response becomes exhausted and you have that sugar crash because you're not yet great at making the fat and the ketones you need to sustain energy, cognitive function. So better to get those fat burning engines revved up uh, gracefully over whatever time is necessary for you to transition over there comfortably uh, without suffering, without struggling, without having to call upon willpower every single meal. Uh, You kind of transition over to uh, the omelet from the cereal as I described. And back to finish the point of this whole conversation, if that requires that you uh, eat a bunch of food, nutritious, high-fat foods, but keep those carbs limited... Uh, that's the way that's it's going to get you there, that's fine. So you keep going down that road, and then one day you'll find that you get pretty good at fasting just naturally, and you can continue to work that and transition over to burning body fat uh, as necessary, as desired, instead of constant ingestion of uh, high levels of dietary fat. And that's a uh, distinctive feature of keto that we should emphasize because it's become bastardized into this bacon and butter diet. And people are selling supplements saying that if you consume these exogenous ketones, you will burn fat and lose weight, like making that direct association, which is completely flawed. And they're also saying that if you stuff your face with fat all day long, you'll make these wonderful ketones and you'll lose weight and your brain will function better and all that great stuff. So if we go back a few steps to the evolutionary model, we realize that ketosis, the manufacturing of ketones in the liver, is best prompted by... Uh, starvation, really. Okay. So short of starvation, it's best prompted by fasting and going long periods of time without ingested calories. Then you elegantly make these ketone bodies in the liver, send them to the brain to maintain peak cognitive function, avail all those anti-inflammatory and genetic signaling benefits that make ketones a cleaner burning energy source than the usual glucose. But nowhere does it say that stuffing your face with fat is part of that equation. So I will contend that if you need to eat high-fat meals and snack frequently on uh, high-satiety, high-fat snacks like macadamia nuts or 90% dark chocolate, that is fine if you're transitioning away from carbohydrate dependency into the vaunted state of metabolic flexibility, becoming fat and keto-adapted. Same with the wonderful ketone supplements. So if you can use these as a bridge at times when you're struggling to maintain Cognitive focus, afternoon blues, what have you. Consuming a ketone supplement can be a very valuable tool to keep you on track, keep you away from those carbs, and keep you making forward progress toward becoming fat and keto adapted, especially if we're talking about the perfect keto nut butter jar. Oh my God, that is one of the most delicious consumer products I've ever tasted in my life. (laughs) Oh, Anyway, so you need these things to you surround yourself with these options rather than reaching for the pretzels, the power bar, uh, the Starbucks high sugar uh, caffeinated beverage. That's great. I'll also use the ketone supplements for the targeted benefit of burning a cleaner fuel during high-intensity athletic performance. Absolutely phenomenal. One of the greatest breakthroughs, possibly the greatest breakthrough in sports nutrition uh, in the past 30 or 40 years is to have these ready-made, uh, uh, high-energy, clean-burning Uh, fuel source right there in a powdered formula to drink up and perform and burn something cleaner during and after the workout when you're in that inflammatory state anyway. You'd rather burn ketones than uh, carbs, especially a sugar binge after workout as athletes have been accustomed to doing for so long. So I love drinking the ketone supplement before, a little bit, during, and after, let's say my sprint workout sessions or high-intensity sessions at the gym. But keeping that in the proper context and realizing that uh, consuming a source of calories, ketones, or otherwise is not directly contributing to fat reduction. It's only helping you along your journey. And the ultimate goal is to create that caloric deficit so that you can burn off excess body fat uh, gracefully and efficiently and make the ketones that your brain needs to sustain cognitive focus even if you're skipping meals including skipping the morning omelet or the noon salad or whatever it is because you're trying to drop excess body fat. A totally different story if you're not trying to drop excess body fat and you're looking for athletic performance recovery, all those things that might warrant a little bit of a different strategy, as I talked about earlier. So I think that brings this conversation full circle. Hopefully you have some Uh, interesting insights that can contribute to your success with keto. And I look forward to getting right into your questions in future shows. Try to be concise with your questions to info at ketoreset.com and pose them for the benefit of the general audience. That would be really helpful. Um, And don't forget to go over to ketoreset.com and check out the Keto Reset Mastery Course, getting rave reviews, from participants going through, uh, navigating through all the information organized into bite-sized morsels so you can learn everything you need to do to complete the multi-stage keto reset approach, Uh, the 21-day metabolism reset, the fine-tuning period, and the focus period of nutritional ketosis lasting minimum of six weeks, video instruction for how to do everything exactly right with great clarity and comparing the different food sources and the macronutrients and, oh, Sit back, enjoy the show, the movies, and you will go uh, sail along with flying colors rather than struggling like so many people are doing these days with an ill-advised approach to keto. And because you listened to me this long, I will give you a super duper 20% discount when you order the course online at primalblueprint.com, click on courses or go from ketoreset.com over, and the secret code is Brad20, B-R-A-D-20. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I pay the IRS taxes, and FedEx and taxes. This industry will never ever see me So, Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive. We're we're talking about health, and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table. It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's the Primal Kitchen, Wilder... Uh, it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too... Per, it's so, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? She's four. Oh, my God. So she likes, like, the mayo on... Oh, yeah. She on... so she loves those. So we love them as well. We have... Uh, we, we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo. We eat the balsamic. We eat the the ranch, um, the avocado oil we use all the time. And, and so, you know, that's completely genuine. And I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch dressing if you want. <laughs> and uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. It's <laughs> my pleasure.